0: Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of Let's Get Both Ties for 2024. This is our first month where we're not doing themes, but going weekly. And this is kind of going to be a messy episode, I'm letting you know. Um, this was originally supposed to be our very first regular episode with author Paul Dana. And I was also going to record this as a crossover with the World Podcast of Oz. However, um... As it's us Both Ties has developed, this doesn't really fit the kind of format we wanted to go for. However, since I recorded it and Paul gave us his time to do it, I knew I needed to get it out there. So I decided let's go ahead and get this released, such as it is, because um, I wasn't quite satisfied with what we originally recorded, so I had to record more. So this is actually in two parts, so this is why this is an extra long episode. So, we're starting the new year with you guys, getting an extra long episode that doesn't quite fit the format we're going for anymore. So, enjoy! So, hello everyone, welcome to the Royal Podcast of Oz. It's been a second since I've done a little interview here. But today I'm talking to fellow Oz author and my my very good friend, Paul Dana.
1: Hello, everybody. (laughs)
0: Um, Now, this is our first time doing this live on Twitch. Um, So uh, there might be a little bit of bugs here. But, um, Paul, how did you wind up... uh, Go down the Elbrook Road the first time.
1: I'm sorry to say it again.
0: How did you wind up... uh, uh, hanging down the OZ book road the first time?
1: Uh, so, I apologize. I'm still not understanding what you said.
0: How did you wind up uh, finding Oz for yourself?
1: Finding Oz? Um, so, like a lot of people, um, the MGM movie was my first introduction. Uh, but uh, my mom also had in the house uh, two OZ books that, um, uh, had come down to her from her grandmother, uh, which were TikTok of Oz and, uh, the lost and, um, uh, the lost King of Oz. So one Baum and one Thompson. And she read those to us. Um, so early on, I realized that Oz was much more than the movie. And, um, and then I started collecting the Baum books.
0: Okay. So what do you think, uh, got you interested in the series?
1: Um, well, I loved fantasy from a very early age. Um, And I think when I was a kid, virtually all the books that I wanted to read were fantasy of one kind or another, with the possible exception of Beverly Cleary. I did read a few of those, but almost everything else was, was fantasy and Oz is just a great fantasy so uh, i loved the characters i love magic um and uh the villains are fun what's not to love
0: right definitely here was where it was really good
1: <laughs> so and also of course um oz is that welcoming place that uh, any nerdy kid feels that they would feel at home in.
0: yeah it was a, like, whew. so eventually, you know, you. I remember that uh, you wrote an honest story called "The Lost Boy of Oz" about Button Bright. It was initially published online, and then. So how you, it, how did that come about? eventually.
1: Do you mean? Uh how did i come to write it or how did it come to be in print eventually
0: um well how you came to write it first of all
1: so the the way that i started writing oz stories was that i was talking with a non-oz friend about about oz and about the uh the subject of lurleen and um how i had questions about um about her and about how she transformed Oz into a fairyland and what that meant and, and I wished at that time that somebody would write a book about that and they probably had and I just didn't know it um, but my friend said uh, well you should write it and so I started to do that um, and that became my first Oz story which was uh, time travelers in Oz um and uh in which button bright and ojo go back in time and witness uh the transformation of oz into a fairyland um and then the lost boy of oz grew out of that there were still unanswered questions in fact even more unanswered questions and so uh it went on from there
0: so it snowballed where um let see right now you've written, what was it, four books altogether that uh, Joe Bongiorno's Royal Publisher of Oz is published. So, yeah. There's The Law of Oz and other stories. It has your early stories. Um, Right. The Magic Umbrella of Oz, was that the title?
1: So, The Magic Umbrella of Oz uh, was the uh, second volume. um, But... Uh, the first volume, *The Law of Oz* and other stories, is actually kind of an anthology. It contains my first two Oz stories, um, *The time, tra- time Travelers of Oz* and *The Lost Boy of Oz*, uh, plus another sequel and a short story. And so, *Magic Umbrella of Oz* is officially the second, the second volume, but uh, but not the second story, if you follow. Right. Yeah.
0: So. When the kid came to have books published, all the other, you had the anthology which was the first book and then after that he did novel length sequels, I guess. Right. So and then Yukahoo's uh of Oz and Immortal Longings of Oz.
1: That's right. So
0: yeah. I mean I just double checked on my shelf right behind me, so
1: oh, what a what a classy shelf. <laughs> Yeah. I've seen photos of your shelf online, and uh, you have a much bigger collection than I do at this point.
0: Yeah. So, well, I've now got a nice little background to stream with and stuff to read. That's where you were, that's where you were to go, I guess.
1: That's what we love. <laughs> was... All
0: right. Um. So, um, what drew you to the character of Button Bright uh, and Ojo the? Kind of because basically they seem to be the big recurring characters in your
1: stories, right? So when I started writing, I was thinking about time travel to Oz and how I would put it together. Um, I had to I had to create a story to that would uh, answer the questions that I had in my head uh, about Lurline. I knew she would be in it, but I didn't know anything else. So I had to think: Well, who's going to be the villain? Who's going to Carry the story forward. Who's going to be who will be the heroes? And I liked, I've always liked Button Bright and Ojo, um, you know, because since I was a little boy, and they were boys, um, so I guess I identified with them. And they were also, um, well, Button Bright. I enjoyed his uh, not just some, exactly his getting lostness, but his casual approach to life. His sort of philosophical, low-key way of looking at things. Um, and I thought those would be fun characters to use that, uh, that I could, that I could get into their heads and identify with. Um, and then finally, just the idea of their friendship, which became a central theme of the stories all the way through, that they are best friends, that they, they play together, live together, um, travel together, everything. Uh, as a unit, and I just love that.
0: Okay. And um, I know that kind of talking about your stories, if someone's not familiar with them, it kind of gets hard to not get into spoilers there, so it's a little difficult. Let's um, uh, just to say that um, there's very surprising. Twists and turns in your stories,
1: right? Uh, a lot of changes happen uh, to Button Bright and Ojo, um, involving magical powers. Without getting too specific, um, and uh, so I, so in this sense, I regard my stories as being sort of a separate canon. Uh, nobody should have to worry about the changes that I've made. Uh, they should be able to take these same characters you know back to Baum and run with them just as I did. Um, but, uh, but yes, I take them through a lot of changes uh, and, uh, and I had a lot of fun doing that. Hmm.
0: I, I, yeah, I think that's uh, important where you know right now there are so many Oz books that I, I'm just like, yeah, I cannot keep up with them all. So yes.
1: Yeah, and there are more I, happening every year.
0: Every month every month it seems like we get an update of, oh, these Oz books were published this month, and it's like, oh, wow, I am probably not going to read that. <laughs> not, not not making any judgment on it, it's just that there's just too much to keep up with.
1: It's true. Yeah. It just goes on and on. And uh, and that's one of the great things about Oz, is that people are able to find their own place in it uh, and create and and work with their own version of it that's in, that lives in their heads I think there's a different Oz that lives in every Oz fans head that is either slightly different or perhaps even radically different from uh, from the Oz's that, that live in other people's heads and uh, And that's one of the wonderful things about it.
0: Right on Right. um now I do know that you know even though it's not bomb's eyes you definitely you do have a soft spot in your heart for the m g m film so certainly yes. <laughs> every man just about it's like if you don't love the m g m film do you are you a, are you a fantasy fan because you know there's a few things that people like there's definitely criticisms you can have but at the end of the day it's really such a enjoyable film that, uh, it's really hard to be like, wait, how could he hate this?
1: <laughs> right. Although I, I understand people who resent it for the liberties that it took with, Baum and especially of being a dream, but I regard it as being just, a you know, a completely separate thing and, uh, and, a, and a wonderful and joyful thing. Um, I love the songs. I love the music. I love Margaret Hamilton. I wanted to be the Wicked Witch of the West when I was a little kid. Um, that was a whole different side of, it, I guess. And uh, uh, yeah, I guess I had the evil queen side way back then. So yeah, I I I I still love it, okay. and I expect I will. Too. All
0: right. So when you were growing up, did you have any friends or siblings who shared your love of Oz with, or?
1: um not to the same degree by any means but my whole family did love the movie and would sit down and watch it together up to you know a certain age my my brother and sister drifted away when they got older but i think you know one of the things about oz fans who started when they were kids is that they stick with it um and you know people around them may drift away and get other interests but we we stick with it and that was and that was what i did um but it remains to this day i would say a strong current in my family my you know my sister and i both work from the movie um and at length <laughs> as well as many other things um so but as far as friends go i did not know anyone who, who liked us in the way i did um, not really until, uh, I started going to the Oz convention. So yeah. To, uh, it's gone.
0: Yeah. Um, and, all right. So, what, I remember that, what was it, was it 2013 the first time you went to?
1: It was the last year of, it was the last year in Asilomar. So,
0: um, I think that was 2013,
1: right. yeah. And that was a year that you won the uh, fiction award. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations again.
0: <laughs> so that was yeah, that was definitely twenty thirteen because I um, remember we had those stand ups from Oz the Great and Powerful that year. So Mhm. Um So you had a got, and then uh, the past Several years, you've been operating the... You've been serving as registrar for the convention, which...
1: Right, uh, right. Yeah.
0: I, I know you stepped down, and there last I knew you were, they were looking for a replacement, but, uh, well, I know, I know that uh, when I chaired in 2018, you did a very good job, so I want to say thank you for your thank service, you. sir.
1: That was, I think, my first year, and... Uh, and I felt that I was uh, um, struggling and, you know, sort of barely making it work with duct tape. But um, I got I got a little better in the next few years, a little more organized. Um, hmm. But it's immensely fun to be the registrar, I have to say. Anybody who is thinking about doing it, I really do recommend it because uh, when you do the table, you know, when you're checking people in and registering you meet literally everybody you have to meet literally everybody and you and it's and it's such a such a fun thing if you're an introvert it's not as easy to do when you when you don't have a reason to but when you are being the registrar you have a great reason and you do meet everybody and it's wonderful all
0: right yeah it's a really good point that uh... Yeah, people like I'm um, actually thinking introverts, people who just don't like to talk much, but it's more like, well, if I don't have a reason to say something, I'm not going to. So
1: That's right. That's <laughs> right. And it's hard and it's harder when you're an introvert to just, you know, start talking to somebody. Um, unless there's like a particular reason why you should. But as the registrar, you you automatically do and it makes it it gives you a role to play, which is great. Yeah. So I do recommend it.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: All right. Um, let's see. Um, do you have
0: any thoughts on other versions of Oz that have popped up in like pop culture over the years? Like, you know, I know Disney basically wishes there. they they had had Oz all to themselves. With they did Return to Oz and then Oz and powerful, or have you not really been very bothered with those?
1: Right. So in both of those movies, um, there were uh, there were things that I liked about them, but I wouldn't say I loved them overall. Um, Return to Oz has a lot of wonderful stuff in it. Uh, But there were just, you know, there were just a few things that that don't quite that don't quite work for me, Hmm. Uh, like the electric shop, electric shop. Um, uh, and I guess I have a different view of the Noah okay. but, uh, but it's still a fun movie. I have it in my collection and I absolutely enjoy watching it. Oz, the great and powerful, much less so. Um, all the, the, the sexual shenanigans are a huge turnoff. Uh, James Franco's, uh, portrayal of the Oz is just so unlikable and, uh, kind of such a jerk that uh, it makes me not want to go on the journey. But...
0: Yeah, that, that is a point where, you know, you read Baum's Oz books, and it's like there definitely are references to romances happening, but it's not... Baum never puts uh, puts it directly at the forefront of the story, where he never does a full, flat-out uh, love story as the main plot.
1: Right. I think, Oz, one of the things that I... Love about Oz is that it is not about romance; it's about friendship. You know all these different friendships, uh, fellowship among you know all the main characters, sort of in general, and also uh, friendships within that. You know Dorothy and Ozma, uh, Scarecrow and Tin Man, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, the Button Bright Ojo friendship is there. Uh, it's but you know it's not as prominent, obviously. Um, but in the but you do see it in The Lost Princess of Oz, and in Glinda of Oz, it's, it's definitely a thing. Uh, and I and I just think that's wonderful, in uh, you know. All right.
0: and then, so that there's, and you know, there's also the fun little uh, different ways you could read certain relationships, like the people like Scarecrow and Tin Man, Oz's premier gay couple.
1: Right, um, if you want to look at it that way, um, they there are times when they, they sure do uh, seem to have a thing going, but it's you know it's on an emotional level, and uh, and they and they prefer it that way. Right.
0: So uh, they're happy the way they are, and well, um sometimes there's a patchwork girl involved or something.
1: Right. <laughs> And some people, you know, other authors can take it further if they want to. Right.
0: Okay, so um, now you've said that you've written your four books, and that's really as far as you plan to go with writing odd stories, which, you know, I can respect that. That's. It, it's nice to have a line where you can say, okay, this is it, I'm done. <laughs> but, yeah,
1: I... I felt uh, with the last book, *Immortal Longings of Oz*, that I really had put a period on on Button Bright and Ojo's uh, adventures together. Um, you know, and clearly they would go on and have more, but uh, but I had done what I needed to do. with them. And also, four books is enough for anybody, I feel. <laughs> the world doesn't need any more uh, books from me. So I think it's good the way it so you know, is. Oh, run out of stories today.
0: So. Well, for now, but we respect you, Paul. <laughs> okay, so, um, um, have you? Let's see. Have you, now? Um, you live in San Francisco, right? Where? okay didn't quite hear you there
1: yes san francisco all
0: right and uh have you work at the what's your current job right right now or
1: i have been working in the mail room at san francisco opera for about 28 years and then 10 years before that uh, in the merchandising department of san francisco opera yeah so i've been there since
0: 1984 all right has Oz ever crept into your professional life sometimes or
1: um well it's in my office um, there are um, on my on my door my office door there's a little sheet that has the covers of my four books on it so that's always there and then there's some photographs on my bullet board um, yeah so it is It is always there.
0: All right. Okay, now I'm going to try to see if we can pull out a few more uh, minutes of Oz questions here. I don't see anyone here with any questions in chat at the moment. So, all right.
1: All right.
0: Uh, now you've also been—I um, wouldn't say you're, you're super active on Facebook, but that's at least you use that to at least communicate with other fans and kind of keep up with each other between conventions, right? I okay,
1: can
0: know that. Uh, um. I guess you you do have, like, kind of, like, at least a friendly relationship with uh, other Oz writers, like, uh, I know Nathan Dehoff is, who hasn't been published, has has his own books published yet, but he's written quite a few stories of his own. Uh, Who is this that we're talking
1: about? Uh,
0: Nathan Dehoff.
1: Yes, yes, of course. Um, Yeah, we've been... Uh, really lucky that Nathan has come to the last several uh, OzCon conventions, and uh, it is uh, is always great to see him there, and it's always great when his wife comes along too. Okay. okay.
0: So, um, what now? Uh... Another,
1: another young, another young writer that I just want to mention is uh, Surin Oganesian, uh, who won a couple of awards so far. And, very promising and fun writer
0: yeah um I haven't met him in person yet but uh
1: oh, he, I think he was, uh because uh, he, he hasn't been to any conventions yet
0: right well hopefully that changes in the near future
1: yeah so
0: <sighs> so you know there's now we are going to be uh, shifting to uh different uh show here in a bit, but as a kind of, like, bridge there, there's the kind of, uh, phrase in the gay community, friend of Dorothy. Now, both of us are, yeah, we're friends of Dorothy. (laughs) Um, does that phrase mean anything specifically to you?
1: Um, gosh, I, it's. So I've been hearing it for a long time and, um, and there seems, there seem to be multiple versions of how, how it came to be. But, um, it, I think there's multiple means for me It you know, it can mean, uh, you know, Judy Garland, uh, is a, is a gay icon, uh, an icon to gay men, um, in the gay community anyway. And, uh, so, her portrayal of Dorothy seems to tie with that, and also just um, the, the way in which Oz uh, welcomes the marginalized. Um Dorothy's friends cover a wide range in the books of all different kinds of people, so Friends of Dorothy I think is an extremely welcoming and warm kind of term to use. Okay.
0: We need to have that. Like I it already just like it kinda of boggles my mind that the character of Polychrome has never really popped out of eyes and just kinda of become a spin-off of her because 'cause I'm like, there's so much you can do with that character
1: <laughs> In <laughs> terms of uh, the rainbow flag.
0: True, there it's like she's straight up a rainbow princess. Who who couldn't, you could not you could you could definitely just run with this somehow.
1: poor Polychrome in uh, TikTok of Oz comes in for a little sexual harassment from uh, from the Gnome King, but she handles it very deftly.
0: Yeah, I... Yeah, she is iconic.
1: (laughs) Yes, she is. And, and, uh, yes, the rainbows are about her.
0: So, who are your favorite Oz characters, for to say, aside from I mean, you can say Button Boy and Ojo and talk about them if you like,
1: but mm-hmm. well, certainly them. Um, I I tend to I think love the series um, rather than focusing on particular characters like like our friend Erica Oliveira. Obviously, has a thing for the Tin Woodman, oh, yeah. and we love that about her. But um, I don't. I don't really think I have a thing about any any particular character. I, I just love um, the whole thing. Uh, I love I love traveling around in Oz with whoever is traveling there, and and doing whatever they're doing with them. So so that's a tough one. Uh, do you have favorites yourself?
0: I'm Ben Pryce. Always been one of my favorites, and I also have a uh, well, I mean are you familiar with my book Outsiders from Oz where Yes,
1: yes, yeah. it's on my shelf.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean there's, there's reasons I think why it is they...
1: too, is I mean
0: to everyone. Well thank you. Um yeah, Button Bright and the Wizard are definitely two of my favorites, so that's why they burned up featuring with a little plot line of their own there.
1: hmm So
0: which there's no
1: shit eh? yeah
0: so what uh what would you what appeals to you about the wizard interestingly yeah i it's like there's definitely some things they have to do because the continuity on the wizard in bomb's books is a little iffy but towards there but you know he eventually settles into being this character who you know i I just like to try to uh, picture. Okay, what is a version of what Bond moved that makes sense continuity wise, and then how how do we make that that work? So I figure he gets uh, thrown into this uh, strange world where he uh, he probably uh, he's probably in over his head. Uh something like
1: that.
0: The whole thing with him taking the throne and Ozma disappearing is kind of a little... You kind of have to figure that there's some decisions that had to be made that weren't maybe the best ones, but... You know, I like to... My personal headcan is that uh, he assumed putting... Uh, uh, sending Ozma away from the Emerald City would be actually be keeping her safe... Uh, keeping her safe
1: mm-hmm that uh... right. although giving her to a wicked witch is probably not the safest thing to do when I, it's interesting you know and I don't know if you would agree with this but when I was a kid I really did not question the the ethics of that situation so much it was only when I got older that I really started thinking that kind of thing but when I was a kid I accepted Things like that, really, without question, and uh, and I think that's what Baum expected his audience to do—just to just sort of take it and go with the flow.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a fair reading of it. Because goodness
1: gracious, right? So yeah, but as we get older, as we get older, and keep reading them, of course, our our adult perceptions come in and and then suddenly the questions arise and you have to deal with it somehow
0: yeah because you know you know you could say well maybe mommy made him maybe he didn't realize that mommy was a threat or you know he heard that she'd been defeated or you know did he know that she she that uh spoiler for the second book that Ozma got turned into tip. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's no questions there, but you know, I decided like to... Well, he
1: may, he may have had a... Mambi could also have given him a very false impression of herself. Yeah. Uh, she might very well have sold him a bill of goods, uh, being a carn artist of everybody as much as he is. Hmm. So... Um, so he may have thought he was, or been able to convince himself that he was doing something reasonable. Yeah,
0: that—that's really kind of how I have to come down at where he—he he thought he was doing the the right thing, and maybe he wasn't. But uh, at the end of the day, things worked out.
1: And Ozma seems to forgive him, so uh, yeah. Oh well, if she's okay with it.
0: Yeah. So Ozma. Allows him to live in Oz and even allows him to actually become an actual wizard, so.
1: Right, yeah. He's one of the three people who legally practice magic in Oz. So that's uh, as great a mark of trust as anybody could get. Yeah.
0: Alright. So. That's. That's why I like the wizard, I guess. Mm
1: hmm. it's also wonderful the way he uh sort of uh not exactly fatherly role but um sort of like like um uncle role that he plays uh, with everyone in oz he's he's not exactly a mentor but he but he he's ready to step in and help people with whatever they're doing uh figure out ways to solve problems um and in a very good humored. uh and, and uh, companionable way so I think those are great qualities as he develops
0: yeah okay All right, we've been going for almost uh, over half an hour now so are we ready to switch podcasts as it were sure alright so um, if you want to hear more with Paul? I, we're going to be, he's switching over to recording the first episode of my new podcast, Let's Get Both Ties. Why, what does that mean? Let's read the abbreviation. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Paul would like to kind of, uh, uh, so, Paul, welcome to the first episode of uh, Let's Get Both Ties. Uh, we, so if anyone just happened to pop in here, hear her first. Uh, I would like to introduce yourself?
1: Um. Oh, so me. So you're asking me to introduce myself, right? Yes. Okay, Um, uh, Jay has kindly agreed to interview me. I'm uh, Paul Dana, uh, member of uh, the International Wizard of Oz Club, Oz fan, and uh, Ozcon goer, and author of Oz books.
0: Right, Uh, I kind of I'm going to get Paul uh, Paul because well, good crossover here between the Royal Podcast of Oz and, and this new podcast um i mean not that i was exactly started for lack of choice but i hadn't really had a nice sit down with paul and it's been a- after covid it's been a little while since i have talked to
1: you so we have missed you very much at the last oscon yeah
0: i if anyone doesn't quite know know what happened there there i recently moved so my finances were tied up and i was like i can't make it this time guys
1: so, yeah, uh, it was a bit of a shock to, that you weren't coming. Was, this is the first one that I've been to that you were not you were not present at.
0: Hopefully that that changes, but uh,
1: uh, fingers you, crossed. Yeah.
0: So, um, so yeah, we were so. Uh, let's get both ties. it's supposed to be an LGBT positive. Uh, her podcast where we talk about, you know, what's, uh, what, uh, the, basically the history of the gay community, what we hope happens, some of the issues that, uh, where we're still facing, because, you know, mm-hmm. um, we, you know, we're, we're, of course, recording this in, uh, uh, late September 2022, where there's been a few things where, um, Our community has been like, oh, um, some of these things that we we thought we had in the bag are not quite as in the bag as we thought with um, the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade and uh, comments from uh, Supreme Supreme Court Justice uh, Clarence Thomas uh, letting us know that he'd like to put uh, the Decision of Marriage Equality back on the books. Right. But um, before we get into all that uh, that stuff that makes us want to scream a little bit, how um, it's like, hmm, for a lot of us, we grew up in worlds where we saw heterosexual relationships as the... What you would eventually just do, whether you were watching a Disney movie or her reading a story and So for some of us it it, it could be a little difficult to figure out uh, uh, figure out hey, this is not actually where where my life is going to be going. So how did you get to that point for yourself, Paul?
1: Um, so it, I would say that the hardest thing for me, uh, was figuring out what the difference was between, uh, friendship and romance, because when I was a little kid and, and and right up through high school school, really, um, I felt more at ease with women. Uh, or girls, I guess I could say, um, at that age, um, than I did with boys, and it had to do with interests. It had to do entirely with interests and ways of approaching and talking about life. Uh, you know, the boys had all started playing baseball and football, and, uh, and I didn't feel that I had anything in common with them. Uh, I was still reading fantasy and, you know, wanting to watch fantasy movies um so and so the people that i like talking to the best were girls well what did that have to do with um with liking boys in a sexual way it was it was just confusing to uh so it took me a while to figure out what what the difference was and the and that uh, sexuality was um was separate from that was different um you know that it could include friendship, but also this extra dimension uh, of sexuality, and uh, so it was less um, a matter of social uh, judgment or or uh, religious proscription or anything of that kind, and more a matter of uh, uh, just what is all this? You know how how am how am I approaching all? This? But I didn't have religion in my family, so that that really didn't enter into it.
0: Yeah, that can also put a little, uh, stall in there. Like, uh, that was part of my story that took a little while to uh, get settled, settled out for me personally. Uh, I won't say that, uh, it's completely out of my life because uh, of relationships I still have with my family, but, uh, so um
1: yeah I was lucky I was lucky that uh, my family is a fairly uh, liberal family anyway you know I mean my dad was a registered republican but uh, I never had any kind of problem with him in terms of uh my sexuality um he he didn't entirely understand a lot about it and in fact a lot of straight people don't and and maybe even I don't but uh Um, but there was never any sense of judgment or exclusion or anything like that in my family.
0: Ah, That's great. I'm happy. I'm happy I got to have that, Paul.
1: Yes. Yeah, not everybody, not everybody is that lucky. So, uh, so, right. Um,
0: so about what age do you think you really realized, oh. I'm gay
1: (laughs) well I I knew I loved boys um, for really as long as I can remember having any sense of it at all Um, but it was really only when I was uh, in my early 20s that I was absolutely sure that I didn't also uh, have sexual feelings about women what that meant it just took a long. It just took that long for me to figure it out. I feel kind of dumb now. Um, so when I could actually say to myself, "I'm not bisexual. I'm really full-on gay," that was in my early 20s. Right.
0: That that happens sometimes, where like they say that your brain doesn't finish developing until you're 25, which you know, people pointed out. By the time you do that, you can you can vote, you can drink, you can, you can buy a house. So, well, as if we have the money to anyway. But
1: yeah, people who have money can
0: do that. Yeah, but uh, but you know, by the time long before you're twenty five and supposedly your brain is finished maturing, that there's already so many decisions you're expected to have made that. People are like, wait a minute, is this really fair?
1: <laughs> right, and and the thing is, everybody does develop at a different pace, and everybody develops in different directions. So uh, there are as many ways of being gay or of or of being LGBTQ uh, plus as as there are people who identify as that.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I like to call it LGBT plus because sometimes there's people who are like, "I'm not really sure I fit quite any of those and it's okay to have uh, to not be quite sure about it. As long as you can be a uh, bit, as long as you know that, uh, that you' uh, that you can be accepted and you know if you need to uh, just take a little longer figuring stuff out, that's okay
1: or if it's fluid you know if it's something that that moves around a bit or or did you feel like i know what i am and it's not quite any of those things but i still feel comfortable in that in that box um you know there's there's room there's room for all of that and that's you know it's a very aussie thing <laughs> in that way
0: yeah um when i pitched doing this uh podcast to you i mentioned that uh um, you've been around for some of the big hi- highlights of uh, gay rights and uh, the gay community in the past oh. I, I, for you know the last well I'm
1: 65 I'm 65 so that includes so the whole history of the gay rights mo- well most of the history of the gay rights movement happened while I was alive at least from Stonewall on there were there were some things earlier on yeah, um, but uh, yeah, and but when I was growing up, I was growing up in a you know a suburb of Southern California. It was very quiet, and that kind of thing. I wasn't really well. What was on the news at that time was much more anti-war. It was hippies. It was drugs. Um, uh, you know, riots. There were there was much much bigger news than Stonewall, and that didn't penetrate my consciousness consciousness at all, literally, I was, so it didn't, I didn't even hear about it, but it was, and I was in, like, maybe a freshman and sophomore in high school that I began to hear about an actual gay rights movement, which was uh, inspiring, but there was nothing like that (laughs) happening in my neighborhood, so I couldn't become part of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a little historical sidebar. Is that you know while a lot of people like to point to Stonewall, is that there were uh, attempts to try to normalize and and you know deep. It, it, it just feels so crazy that we were there were with, uh, uh, basically uh, openly being gay was actually criminalized and you know the thing is that we kind of got to face that that was a thing and there are people who would like to make that head that way again so um, I
1: think there are states where certain specific acts are still criminalized yeah although although they don't
0: they're not enforced um, but uh, it
1: doesn't get enforced but but the laws are still on the books in those states
0: yeah. Uh, yeah I was just saying that before Stonewall, we had there were groups like the Madison Societies and uh, the, daughter of, uh, the daughters, daughters of Belitas, who, right, were trying to uh, ma- uh, trying to, uh, who were trying to push for gay rights. It was just that Stonewall was, well, a riot,
1: <laughs> right, and which was uh, a whole different kind of activism, I guess. the uh, The previous groups were. Doing it in a more quiet, trying to be normal way, and Stonewall is much more of a much more in-your-face. Uh, uh, it involved drag queens, um, and and there was a lot of anger, and and that's that's a that that was a huge change. Mm. So,
0: yeah, it's really been the reason why we're I just like to point out the reason why we've made such leaps and bounds over what is seriously a short period of time in human history even as far as we've recorded it is really because we've had people who are like hey we're not going to take this i don't like even marriage equality was i uh uh, people were like oh we need to do this slowly and they're like no we got people who were who are having to pay mountains of tax debt because they couldn't be, uh, legally recognized as a spouse.
1: Right. Right. Um, and it's, in it, as you pointed out before, it is, uh, it is not necessarily a done deal. It's something we have to, uh, keep trying to fight for and it could be taken away. Um, so this struggle is emphatically ongoing,
0: yeah, so yeah, like right now it hasn't taken off the books, but uh, and we of course hope it doesn't get there, but we're like we kind of have to you know we have to be out there, and this is really kind of the reasons why I wanted to start this because we need to be really telling our stories, putting that out there, so. People can't, can't say, oh, say, oh, well, I don't know what's going on with them. Our stories are out here. You can uh, listen to them.
1: Right. So. Uh, so. Congratulations and kudos to you for uh, for, for getting this project going and, yeah. and keeping it going. Yeah. And thank you
0: for being the first one to pop on.
1: <laughs> so. Uh, I am I am proud and grateful to be here. So. um
0: I know that uh, after Stonewall, we had boom. There was a Stonewall was nineteen sixty nine. Then we had the seventies and kind of like late seventies to into the eighties and the nineties. We had the AIDS crisis, which I'm pretty sure that was must have been a pretty scary time for basically anyone who is gay gay there if you were... yes
1: yes so much worse for a lot of people than it was for me personally um i you know i was i was quite backward really I, in a lot of ways i did not i didn't want to hang out in bars and and i really wasn't that motivated to get out and start dating um so um, until I moved to San Francisco, which was when I was 27 um and then by then it was a full-blown crisis and everyone knew what what uh safe sex meant and uh, so I so I was very conscious of all of that. um but uh, all around me there were plenty of people who had been, you know, very active in the community and active in the bars team uh, for years. And, uh, it was, uh, very, pretty tragic. You know.
0: Yeah. And like, we're at a point where they do have, and it, it feels, I wouldn't say that it, I mean, it's still basically an ongoing thing. The thing is, now we have medications for people who that care, can at least help them live a reasonably healthy, life if they you know take care of themselves and everything
1: and right and and also uh, um, inoculations that help. So um, yeah, it's it is. It is still something that has to be watched, and and we're still looking for a cure, uh, if there is such a thing. But um, but yeah, the situation is a whole lot better, uh, and then the community is focusing on other things more than it is more than before Yeah, He
0: says that that kind of like came up when COVID started, and people, uh, and. I remember someone was like, "Oh well, uh, well, if they're going to cancel this, are they going to cancel Pride parades?" Yes, we did.
1: I was one of the one of the fun things uh, about being in San Francisco, and uh, is uh, that we do have a big Pride parade, and uh, and the company that I work for, San Francisco Opera, uh, has a contingent in it. So I've been able to march with the San Francisco. For uh, for
0: several years, which is great. Yeah, Um, San Francisco definitely has a a very special place in the gay culture in America. With um, I I don't think I really looked at myself, but I remember hearing that was like it would be basically be a pretty common airport if you were like, well, it was baby Well, here.
1: it's it's it's, it's like? a place that a lot of people from other places came to, to uh to spread their wings and and find acceptance and and just be out and, and enjoy being out, um, in the gay district and and everywhere else, uh and I think that mm-hmm. continues to some degree um, so yeah that's that's a, a wonderful thing about it mm-hmm. I, um, mm-hmm. and it helped me spread my wings too I uh, I really I had lived in Santa Monica for, for six years before I came to San Francisco and, and goodness knows the gay culture in Los Angeles but uh, but I really didn't get close to it uh, it was in San Francisco that I, uh, and really through the opera, that I began to uh, feel more at home and comfortable.
0: Okay. Um, now, you've, I remember that, uh, now I have was, at one point you noticed that I mentioned I was writing uh, short stories on commission, and well. You mentioned that you'd also done some very interesting short stories over the years.
1: Okay, so now you are talking about Slash, uh, right?
0: Yeah, it's... uh, I mean, it's not exactly considered the most highbrow of art, but I think it's a legitimate way that people can express their sexuality or how they feel about things. And frankly, it's... It's basically like some of the things you might read about in slash. Frankly, I'd rather you write about it than actually do it. If depending on what type well, of thing so you're maybe, writing,
1: so maybe depending who we all well, might be listening to this now or in the future, so maybe we ought to define what slash is. Uh, slash is uh, fan fiction uh, in which uh, characters who are not are. Are put into gay situations often very necessarily, but often and uh, uh, and uh, and it's huge so like thousands and thousands of people doing it, and a lot of women are writing slash uh, about uh, male characters
0: yeah um
1: uh, would you would you say that's a fair description
0: yeah, um I mean, would would like to talk about. I mean, I'm not asking you to uh, exactly describe it, but uh would like to talk about how uh, how slash writing. Here. I'm I'm trying trying to phrase it. So this what,
1: right. Uh. Just what it was for me. Yeah. So so um so my slash writing generally was in the uh, lord of the rings canon uh at the time when the movies were coming out and uh i i don't know i i found i there was an article in the san francisco chronicle newspaper um a small article saying that it exists which i i didn't know i didn't know that it existed uh and there was an article that Talked about. It. I said, "Oh my gosh, that sounds like fun!" Uh, and it sounds a bit silly and crazy, but it's like fun. So um, I poked around online and found um, a site that, uh, that did that, and uh, and uh, first story, and um, and it was fun. I had a great fun doing it. It was uh, and. Other stories followed, and I met people who were also doing art skills. Mind uh, wonderful people. Yeah. So, and just that the be uh, a fun thing to do at that time—a way to socialize, a way to get certain things off my chest, a way to um, explore uh, fantasies. It was just great.
0: Great! I had a great time too. Okay, so I—I I mean, you said the word so I just got to ask: What was your major pairing there?
1: Oh, I didn't have just one. Um, so no, it—it—it—it it, it, So, but there was sort of a there was sort of mm, a storyline, uh, but, uh, oh gosh, a bunch of people. So, you know, almost all the characters that you would imagine. Um, Frodo and Sam and uh, uh, Faramir and Merry, uh, Gandalf, and there was a funny one involved, Gandalf and Tom so it was just, it was a... And had a lot of goofy rhyming No. Um, yeah.
0: okay that 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 last word I'm like okay I'm going to see if I can find that one uh,
1: I'm not telling anybody where to look for any of these <laughs> <laughs> but there is plenty of slash out there for anybody who wants to look for it oh my gosh it is just overwhelming, okay um, so
0: yeah all right now, um, I mentioned when I pitched this to you that I wanted to talk about uh, your hopes for the community going forward. Like as we mentioned, that yeah, our we can't rest on our laurels because those laurels are not even assured.
1: Right. So, um, so you're thinking about the future. Um, I uh. It's, this is a, this is a very tough question because the future of the planet and of the species um, are equally um, upper groups, I up, would say, at this point, and the younger generations are very conscious of this, as far as I can tell, um, from the millennials on, it's just, uh, you know, where do we go ecologically? Where do we go politically? Where do we go uh, as gay people? Um, All of these things are 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 under threat. And what do we what do we attend to first? Um, And what is you know, and I kind of, there's a part to say my generation failed. Um, Why would anyone even care what I think? The younger people really need to take this ball and run with it um because i don't know how much we have to say to them that is relevant to them
0: well yeah i mean i don't want to you know speak uh, dimly because i feel like a lot of things that happened were short-sighted because like you know people were you know it it was like way back if you look at the whole thing with uranium people like oh we can use this and put it in things that will make you feel better and it turns out no it actually gives you cancer
1: right
0: so it feels like it's kind of like that same mentality has gone through oh well, we can make, it, make the things out of plastic, and it's easily disposable. And it turns out, no, this is getting into your water, and, uh, uh, and that's right. not good well, for. And a,
1: and a lot of it comes down to a lot of it comes down to economics too. Not just can you use it, but can you make money off it? Yeah. Uh, and if someone makes money off it, um, they will say whatever they need to say to make it seem okay and to get sales and make that money. Uh, and we are still in that place there is definitely a lack of um, corporate will to keep making money Um, so that's something we still um, are struggling against and that that uh, influences politics more than we wish it would yeah so in that sense the struggle today is exactly the same as as, as it has been uh, as it was throughout the 20th century that uh, uh, we uh, it's an uphill battle to get any change done in the face of uh, corporate interests and their power in government
0: oh yeah so yeah. Constant fight. Yeah. So. It's like there's not going to be much uh, gay life if we don't have life, so. It's like uh, everything uh, is, like, uh, like super important for us to think about. Yes.
1: yes, absolutely.
0: So. It's like the the thing that, you know, gay gives... Uh, as hope going forward is that we do we are recognizing these issues we are talking about them we're not just uh, uh, brushing under the rug and be like oh well well, let's keep going despite a contingent who does seem to want to do that
1: (laughs) right um so at the moment we have a president who does like to keep those issues front and center Uh, uh and even but even so the uh the political realities keep him from uh, doing as much as we wish he would do. Yeah.
0: And, you know, even then, you look at. Uh, you look at. Uh, the, you can take a look at the map of the world, and you look at the United States, and you realize it's actually. Compared to the rest of the world, it's a pretty small country. So, right. while definitely uh, the Uni- what the United States does is uh, uh, can definitely inspire other country, uh, uh, countries and try to uh, be a model or a leader going forward, it's just one uh, country among all these others. So it's not just our country. It's uh, all the countries that need uh, uh, to do uh, something. work 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 on this
1: right uh it's it's very analogous really to uh a member of congress uh you know one member of congress with great ideas cannot necessarily accomplish much unless they get others on board uh to help them help them achieve what they want to achieve and it's the same in the international community yeah but um there is i think The fight is 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 happening, you know. It is ongoing, and there there are great people doing great work. It's just, in some ways, not going as fast as we'd like.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it feels like there's
1: danger, and there's danger of backlash.
0: Yeah. So, but like we said, the what. Like I said, we want to be. I kind of want to be positive here. So even if if we do talk about heavy subjects, we still want to kind of go out on something hopeful. Like because, like I said, the thing is, we are talking about these things. We want yes. things to get there. And better. in terms
1: of the gay community, in terms of the gay community, um, I don't see it going back into the closet. No matter, no matter what happens. Uh, in oh, yeah. Gay marriage away. Um, I do not see us going quietly back into the closet uh, and pretending we don't exist anymore. I think uh, the political, the level of political organization and activism that exists in the community is, is uh, a lot more powerful. Than
0: Thank you, Paul. <laughs> That was really good because yeah we the thing is they can do what they want the fact is we're still going to be here
1: and I just wanted to say that um, OzCon uh, and the Oz community generally uh, reflect um, the the status quo in Oz to such a great degree the degree of welcomingness, the degree of openness to all kinds of people and ways of being. Um, And I I think that's one of the things that I love about the the Oz community, as well as the Oz books. Um, And I I hope you agree that uh, it is a place where uh, a lot of people who might feel marginalized elsewhere feel welcome and included and uh, able to lead and participate in all of those things and we are lucky to have it
0: Uh, I agree (laughs) okay so Paul I want to thank you again for having this call with us it's we had some learning curves here in the start because we got started a little late but uh,
1: thank you for sticking with it
0: yeah all right, so thanks for making time to t- talk here, and I, I, it's it, it's always good talking to you, man. I yeah.
1: wonderful to hear your voice. So
0: yeah, yeah, I, I definitely heard some of my yeah, what was it? I yeah, it was definitely twenty nineteen. Some of my best memories were just talking to you at the Sellamar so, I mean, not not Silmar, Kellogg. Oh, my goodness.
1: Right. It's <laughs> that's great okay. Day so Well, lots of great people at the Oz Conventions. Uh, we are so lucky to have them.
0: All right. Well, thank you. And I'm, I guess I'm really going to go ahead and wrap the call here. So, um,
1: yeah. All right. Thank you, Jay.
0: Thank you, Paul. Uh, Paul, Paul. You, have, you have a great, great day. So yeah, while I was working on this episode, I kind of thought about a format and decided I want to talk a little bit more with Paul about uh, being an introvert. So uh, I mean, both Paul and I are introverts, I'd say. So and we're both gay. So that comes with its own. <laughs>
1: and special challenges.
0: So yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, uh, the special challenges, what, uh, I mean, as, as someone with a little more experience, I'll defer to you, if you'd like to talk about that.
1: Well, we all have our own lives. So yours is, uh, you've got, you've got a whole world of experience that I don't have. Um, but, um, for me. It was absolutely crucial to be in a place where I could um, explore my interests uh, and meet other people who had the same interests. Um, I And I moved to San Francisco in order to do that. Um, San Francisco is a very gay city, so that <laughs> that helps a lot. Um, but I moved to San Francisco to work for the retail shop uh, of San Francisco Opera. I'm an opera fan. and uh, and I was living in LA which did not have an opera company at that time. Um, and so I moved up here to move to work for the opera shop and immediately because of that started meeting, other opera people, many of whom are gay, and just you know, even and and as an introvert, I, I feel like I have to put myself into a situation like that where I have to be social, and I have to put myself out there and and interact and help people, you know, and I have a role to play, which is helping them find whatever they want in the shop. Uh, helping to ring them up, um, getting them coffee at the coffee bar, all of those things that I did for 10 years, the 10 years that I worked at that shop, um, and met a lot of people. And and I have to say that um, in the long run, some of the best friends that I made were during that period.
0: Okay. Um, uh, with... Yeah, with introversion, there's this myth that basically, I, I'm pretty sure I said this on the previous you know, part that uh, we, we don't like to talk, we don't like to go out. But that's not really true. It's just that we don't like to expend energy. We don't have to.
1: <laughs> right now, I can say from observing you, and I think this is true of me too, that introvert and extrovert depends a lot on the situation if you are in a situation or if i'm in a situation where um we are with people that we like and who share our interests and are talking animatedly about something that we care about then we become extroverts right there on the spot and and it happens very naturally and is a lot of fun
0: yeah it's like when my eyes kind of Sally boom everyone everyone here 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 loves Oz I can talk to everyone about it so I do
1: right (laughs) I actually know you as an extrovert because I always see you at OzCon um and I don't see you in the places where you are less comfortable
0: yeah that's that's a little, little, little odd um Okay. Uh, what, so, I mean, there was always the big, big thing when we're talking about this particular subject, which is dating. How has that gone for you, basically?
1: So, um, I did get some dates through working at the opera shop, but um, it wasn't... Um, you know it wasn't happening that much and so um i did a little personals ad dating too back in the days when you had to uh like read ads in in a local newspaper and send letters and get letters back and that kind of thing and i had some fun that way but um I, part of being an introvert for me is actually not needing to date for long periods of time. So I have gone for years, at a, years, literally years at a time without doing any dating at all. And I've never had a boyfriend for more than four months. So I, you know, singleness is actually my, my comfort zone. And, and I always seem to come back to it. That could change. Um, but uh that's how it's always been up to now
0: because you know i I I, you know, I I see you and you seem to be pretty happy so i'm like it, it works for paul
1: <laughs> well it's you know it's like any lifestyle choice that anybody makes uh you you get a lot from it and you also sacrifice something uh so i see people obviously um who have mates whether gay or straight who are happy or at least secure or and also some who are not happy and who are happy or in a mess um and and of course the culture as you know the culture is constantly telling us we need to pair up constantly telling us uh, through movies through tv through um, all sorts of all sorts of things that we that we are not complete if we don't have a mate so that that is constantly uh, you know around us and and influencing the way we feel and and that kind of thing has actually been a spur to me at times to do something like to try personal ads, um but i always end up feeling like it's uh, a bit of a trap and 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 it shouldn't be a factor you know that that social pressure should not be a factor in whether i'm dating or not
0: yeah um because I, I think that might be the like hidden strength of an introvert is that we realize being alone is not exactly a bad thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah sometimes you just find your own strength you find your own voice and you know you know, like I'm in my apartment, and I'm like, oh, like, well, I'm here by myself, but uh, oh, and a cat, but, uh, uh but uh, I, I'm almost like, if I did have someone move in with me, how the heck would we make this work?
1: Right, <laughs> right. Well, the older we get, of course, uh the more we get um set in our ways, as the as the saying goes. But I have actually never lived alone. I have had uh, at least one, and sometimes two roommates, all my adult life. Um, so I've never had an apartment or a house all by myself, and I don't know what that would be like. Um, so, like, I, right, right at the moment, I have I live in a flat with uh, two housemates, both of whom are gay men, and uh, we have. Uh, Uh, a very peaceful happy household and i like it that way um but i have my own room obviously and do my own thing we all do our own thing and so it is not at all hard to be an introvert in that situation okay so
0: yeah and we mentioned we talked a little bit like and so um now you're also in san francisco and you know as we said big gay city so um what ways do you kind of like to express your uh, yourself when you're you know because i assume you don't stay stay at home or just go to work all day all the time
1: right so i actually don't I would not say that I have a strong need to express gayness um, in some kind of visible, open way, partly because it is kind of taken for granted in San Francisco. That's one of the advantages of living here is that it's just part of the scene and you can do it the way you want to do it. And I think there are lots of gay people who are just sort of, you know, doing their gay thing and not being particularly uh flamboyant or demonstrative about it um but uh and so I don't have the experience you know for instance of ne- feeling the need to come out to people because I feel like you know it's for one thing I feel like I I'm pretty obviously gay and then for another thing um it's just not not something that that needs to happen i don't know do you feel you you probably it must be very different though in springfield missouri
0: yeah um River, missouri is where the uh home base of the assemblies of god is so yeah there's a little bit of effect of that on the culture
1: so. I guess the assemblies of god
0: yeah, it's a, it's a type of church that, um, I'm I'm not sure how widespread it is. I haven't looked into it once into it much.
1: A uh, fundamentalist church.
0: What?
1: Is it a fundamentalist church?
0: Yeah. Definitely. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Spring Road comes with its own. Uh, oof some things but it, it's it got its own uh own gay scene as well so just have to try to get to work on that
1: yeah the the key to me was not so much to look for a gay community as to look for a community that that lined up with my interests um and it turned and it, you know it turned out luckily for me that the opera world uh, has um, a big cake big gay component um so i i feel that i i landed in the right place and um and have had uh a lot of you know i have had a good social life since then because of it um but there must be it must be Hard in a lot of places to to find that.
0: So,
1: and it, and it would have been very different if um, if I had been focusing, for instance, on Oz instead as a as an interest, like trying to find an interest group, because we are so spread out, and there are really relatively few of us. Um, so so you know it would be hard to say to someone you know look for the Oz community in your in your neighborhood because there probably isn't one you have to find something else uh that will uh, give you a sense of community locally
0: because is a niche fandoms
1: right
0: yeah yeah, there's there's people who try to try to promote it a bit, but there's also the fact that Oz has been around so long that there's so many uh different aspects to it that some people are fans of certain movies or her plays right. or some people. Are- yes,
1: within within the niche, there are many niches. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's not not as like straightforward as Lord of the Rings. Here's the books. Here's the movies. Here's the anime movies that that people don't talk about too much. But uh, it, I mean, this is super nerdy, but I almost have to wonder whether was there a point where people asked, "Are you a BBC Radio or Minds Eye fan for, for Lord of the Rings?"
1: <laughs> uh. I I think uh, you're probably going back into ancient history now, and and reaching a, a time when before the internet, when it was much much harder for people like that to to hook up with each other. I remember when I was uh, let's see this is this is now a memory that I I haven't uh, thought about in a long time. When uh, right at the end of high school, I was a big Lord of the Rings fan. Um, And a woman friend and I got invited to a meeting of something called the Mythopoeic Society, and those were people who got together to talk, um, like grownups who got together to talk about adult fantasy books. Um, And so we went went to a meeting that, Um, and you might have thought that would like lead to. But, um, but I, I guess I didn't like it that much. But it does seem like that would be the way to go at that time. You know, like, the only thing you can do is try to find you. Okay. All right.
0: So... Uh, yeah so really I think that um, kind of the story here is there, that you managed to find your straight your strength as who you are found uh, communities you're comfortable in being here uh, being who you are
1: and yeah. it also helped a lot uh, that my family uh, was the kind of family that accepted accepted us for who we are. That's not to say that we didn't have our conflicts and turmoils in our family. But I always felt that my parents um, supported me um, whatever, whatever my choices might turn out to be, and also my interests, beating uh, interests in theater, Fantasy literature, movies, uh, that kind of thing, um, you know, and just generally wanting space rather than trying to fit me into a box of some kind. Um, so that was huge and helped me to uh, see myself as, I guess, being worthy of a place too to it works for me
0: okay um i i, I kind of cut out i i'm not sure how much the audio is picking up there
1: well my family i mean in addition to everything else uh, we all loved the mgm movie um so that was something we did together and my mom also read oz books to me and um, and for a time, that my, my brother and sisters all they um, uh, lost. Uh, so. so, just in terms of that kind of interest, and you know, fantasy literature generally, um, that was that was very much something that happened at home, and and that felt comfortable and and supported.
0: Okay, so. Amanda definitely helped out
1: absolutely absolutely okay
0: Okay.
1: and that was important because you know when you're growing up as you know you might you know when you're a very little kid you might have friends who love to play fantasy games or uh, you know make-believe kinds of things but then you're you know male the men you know the other boys around you start playing baseball and football and, and suddenly that's their world and, and you and you might feel left behind so that's which certainly happened to me so it helped that the home was a more, was more uh, conducive to my my way of okay I yeah you
0: kind of got uh I couldn't, I couldn't hear that last bit there
1: Um, just that uh, as you know, a, as a nerdy gay kid grows up, they see their uh, the, the people you know, the other boys in school and the other kids in school become interested in sports, you know, football, baseball, and and you can feel left behind, left out because uh, if you are still in nerdy, you know, nerdy fantasy kind of thing. it helped me a lot that i could still express that side of me at home and share it with my mom and dad um when i couldn't share it with anybody at school
0: okay all right yeah that I, I, i'm really glad you had that uh support of your family to start with and be able to find that um yeah uh, I, I mean I would say my roads been a little different so
1: there's you want to say a little bit about that
0: uh yeah um frankly my uh, my dad doesn't really say, say anything much uh, about it he doesn't he, he he's a guy who really seems to care about his kids and as far as he's expressed he doesn't seem to really judge anyone but uh my mom is well she's a very religious person and is always afraid that we're going to go or we're not going to be together in heaven and i'm like
1: mm-hmm.
0: well <laughs> uh, so it it it's a uh, it uh, we could just do a whole big thing about religion and um, how that uh, inter- intersects with uh, this, but you know, I'm hoping to maybe talk to this, uh, maybe a uh, man. Uh, I'm hoping to maybe get someone on who is a little bit more of an expert of talking about uh, religious, religious trauma and how it aff- affects communities like ours,
1: right? So. Yeah, that definitely would not be me because I basically was a secular kid. Um, my mom actually was the, the daughter of a minister in the Disciples of Christ Church, and we went to their church um, a couple times a year. I would say, while we were kids, but it we we didn't go to church in our in our own community, and and that was always like a you know just sort of a, a thing we did with Grandma and Grandpa. So I would say that my sec- my upbringing was pretty secular, and yeah, that
0: yeah, I mean I, I can't can't uh, lie and say I'm not a little jealous of growing up secular because when it kind of just makes it a little easier to just go when you're at a... because I uh, was. With- a secular there is basically it's a lot easier to go there uh, go uh, uh, so things aren't you know god ordained or whatever you're just you you have to find out your own, own path in life and yeah Right. when you come from a little bad background it takes a little while to shake that off
1: so right and and uh, I think a lot of people never completely shake it off. Um, I think you know, if you're, if you're going to be raised in that kind of thing, it's going to leave. It's going to. It's going to be part of you in some way, even if you reject it as. It's going to be part of you for the rest of your life. The way anything, if you want. even if you don't believe it's it's stuff, it, it just it gets into.
0: hey all right now we've gone for about a half hour here i think that's going to be all right here if you'd like to go ahead and wrap up um thanks for coming okay. on again paul because thing well, i, I really, really wish we could i i really, really wish we could do this in person because i think we really have a better time jamming off of each other but we gotta do what we gotta do and luckily technology helps a lot
1: right well i i appreciate you having me on and um uh, um i don't know i feel like in some ways my circumstances are so particular that I, I it's hard for me to imagine how it could be helpful to anybody else but uh if it is that's wonderful yeah well
0: like you know you say you grew up in a supportive place and um uh, <laughs> Uh, you grew up so supportive, you managed to find a community that, or at least a location where it, it's not, where it's generally accepted that, you know, people, some people are gay, or whatever, so, you know, you found a place where you're really, you can really comfortably be yourself, and well, that, that while it's not that one story, it's like, people can still look for communities whether it's you know in their cities or mm-hmm. where, where they live or if they right. need to go online or find other ways to communicate with people
1: right so I, I, that, that makes me think of one more thing that I might want to say before we wrap up which is that um historically at least since the late 60s and early 70s, San Francisco has been one of those cities like New York that gay people from all, all parts of the country, gay youth especially, come to in order to find acceptance that they don't find at home, which is which is great. But um, I think a much better world would be one in which they are able to build their own communities in their own places um, and, and not feel that they have to Migrate in order to, uh, in order to be happy and find community and accept themselves. Um, you know, it's, it's it's sad to think of anyone, any persuasion, any kind of marginal lifestyle feels that they have to leave where they are. Yeah.
0: I remember that when the
1: something to work for.
0: I remember that before the gay, before the gay game, before the Supreme Court approved, uh, basically sign off on same sex marriage in twenty fifteen. or before that you would commonly see people say, "Well, you can just move to a place where it's legal," and it's like, "Okay, so I have to say goodbye to all my family, my friends, the community I know, and right. just for that, I, people do that." Yeah, that that can work for some people but that's not always an option for some people
1: right you know. right absolutely and you shouldn't and I feel that you shouldn't have to nobody should have to do that um people should be able to be themselves in their own community um or or, or some other and and uh and not and not feel exiled or, or cast out
0: absolutely there
1: so we're not there yet but uh but it would be something
0: yeah we want to we, 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 we would like to be in that world
1: <laughs> right
0: okay well thanks very much, very much for sharing your thoughts opinions your wisdom
1: well thank you for having me jay it is a pleasure to talk to you anytime
0: Thank you very much, Paul.
1: Okay. Thank you, Jay. Have a great day.